Hello, and you are very welcome to Dan and Dara Do Ability. This is episode 53. I'm Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Airy. Dan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. Listen, we have a we have a we have a big lineup today. Uh we are talking to the Irish Wheelchair Association's ability team. Uh today we are joined by the manager of the program, uh, Jennifer Murray, Anne Hopkins, who's job coach for the Eastern End of the Country, uh Joanne Dawson, uh from the who represents the job coach for the South, and then Sarah Chalk, who is a job coach in the West. Hello, everybody, and good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hi. Morning. Great. Listen, thanks very much for joining us. Um, we'd love to talk to you today about the Ability Programme. You can tell us and our listeners all about it um, and what you get up to. We know it's, uh, we well, we know it's terribly important. Jennifer, we might start with you, if you don't mind, uh, if you could explain the programme to us. Absolutely. Um, and hi, Dan and Darren. Thanks a million for having us on. It's always great when we can get a chance to talk about what we do. Um. So the Ability Programme is a programme funded by the European Social Fund and it's administered in Ireland through Pubble. So we, there's four of us on the team and what we do is we provide a job coaching service for 18 to 29 year olds with any sort of physical disability in the Republic. And so I'm just highlighting the any physical disability because of course when you say Irish Wheelchair Association people automatically assume wheelchair but it's not, you know, it's um, <laughs> people, disability can affect people in lots of different ways physically. So it's not just for wheelchair use. One of the key things about our program is it's to get people closer to employment, closer to what it is they want to do. And that looks really different for everyone, you know, depending on how job ready they are when they come to join us on the program. So like progression for one person could be downloading the bus timetable. Uh, and progression for another person could be doing mock interviews or, or um, you know, editing their LinkedIn profile or, you know, it depends on where the person is, at what point they are in their own career journey. So that's pretty much a summary of what it is that we do. Lovely. Uh, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, yes, we are, we are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, it is, it's been tough for everybody. How have your, your, from your own point of view, how has work been? Joanne, can we throw that at you? Just, you know, kind of curious how, how, you know, working for for you. I mean, we're all here in our in our little in our little rooms, and uh, you know, it all looks lovely. Um, I'm sure we've been out, but probably not that much. Absolutely, Dara. Like for us in the program and the ability to program, the way it's changed is pre-COVID. We were all out in the road, so we were traveling a lot throughout our regions and throughout our counties within our regions. But now, the way it's gone, everything is remote. Obviously, we can't do face-to-face meetings and all that like we would have used to have done. So. Everything has gone remote, so everything's gone virtual. So through the likes of Zooms, um, Microsoft Teams, all that, phone calls, text messages with clients, you know, and that kind of thing. So it's very much gone that way. But it's given us, I think, more scope for clients, you know, because we were traveling so much, it took up more time, you know, that kind of a way. So at least it gives more scope for clients to come in and if they need um an appointment this week at least we could facilitate that whereas before we might not have been able to because we were out on the road so much and that kind of thing so that's the way it has changed um the program that's that's that is interesting i mean i i we we there's something seven that i've been talking about a lot lately is kind of has has this kind of uh, have you seen a level or a leveling of the playing field for your 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 clients when it comes to um looking for jobs um, or even getting jobs. So we say we're all 
we're all in the same boat now. Like we'd often say now that everybody is living the life of a disabled person, being at home and being restricted and being, um, and I can make the point now, we're, we're here on Zoom, <clears throat> excuse me, recording this. And if, if we look at everybody here, nobody has a disability. Um, have you seen any sort of uh, change in the way um, your our employers are, are, are looking at employing people? Yeah, I think there's definitely, it's interesting because since this has come in, obviously we've all been forced to work from home. The majority of us have, you know, so obviously with that then, and you can see that from the government there, but they brought out the, uh, the strategy back in January in relation to remote working and all that. So um, with with that then, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, becoming more that people will, you know, the, the flexibility in working from home, a lot of people are looking at uh, the mixture of working from home and going back into the office. A lot of people no longer and I want to go back into the office full time. So all that, of course, is going to have an impact then of people with disabilities. And it's the flexibility among employers now that's brought that more in and, and that. So absolutely. Um, I was just going to say that, you know, this was always going to come down the line, remote working, but COVID has just, just accelerated it. Um, and while definitely it has allowed um, more accessibility to the workforce for people with disabilities, I don't think that it's going to solve all the issues. Like if you think about the social social isolation that it, uh, COVID has caused, I don't think someone with a physical disability who already has issues getting places for them to be, you know, working from home full time isn't isn't going to be isn't going to solve that. But it, it will help definitely. But I think it's going to be a mixture going forward of, of office base and home base. But I, you know, we've had employers before COVID who were setting up work placements with us and with our clients. And then when COVID hit, they were able to change, they had to, you know, they had to be flexible and they had to adapt. And so both the client and the employer then adapted in order to do that work placement fully remotely, as well as all the induction and training that went with that. So it's, it is gonna have huge positive implications. It's interesting that you say that, Jennifer, because I suppose when the pandemic first started for me, I was kind of thinking along the lines of what myself and Dara have been talking about, about the kind of level playing field around it, whether it be, whether it be jobs, whether it be kind of social isolation, as, as you mentioned. So it's, it's going to be really interesting, I suppose, for me to see where that goes post pandemic as well in that you've mentioned some of the progress there but just my kind of worry is that like does that maintain going forward and I I suppose that'll be an an interesting thing to look out for when we start to kind of open up a little bit more Um, and just on another thing actually um, myself and Dara have been over the past number of weeks we've been uh, delving into a podcast called disability and new history um from the bbc and it's kind of been looking at uh employment and a whole lot of different areas around around disability but one in particular was employment in the 17th and 18th century and one thing that struck us was at that time work gave people with disabilities a sense of identity and they were kind of expected to I suppose fulfill the work the same the same type of work or the same 
amount of time put into the work as everybody else. And I suppose one particular um, statistic that jumped out, jumped out at us was that 60% of all female nurses at the time had a disability. And I, I was just curious to kind of get your thoughts on looking at something like that and how we can kind of implement elements of it into, into our society today. It's so true what you say about work providing a sense of, of purpose, a sense of belonging, that kind of community feeling. And work is so important for that. Um, I don't know what happened between then and now so that people with disabilities were more sort of thought as people who had to be cared for and wrapped up a bit. That's, that definitely ha has changed. Now, in, in, the, in the recent past, again, it's flipping to be more of um, an empowerment, you know, uh, uh, making sure that people with disabilities get their voices heard and can make decisions for themselves. And they know that, you know, that there's people there anyway who can help them if they want to go a certain way in their life. Um, but I, I, I wish I had the answer for you, Dan, as to as to what what changed in, in the in that time period to make that big difference. We had we were kind of looking at, you know, where, where we, we, we become such a caring society, you know, that it's kind of it's almost like craterism as in, ah, listen, no, the poor crater can't be doing that now. You know, whereas like we were kind of saying that I saw a statistic this week where uh, somebody said that uh, people with a disability uh, or, or people with disability, it's something like 24, 26 percent unemployment um, as opposed to um, the able 71 percent, I think. With yeah, or the, yeah, with the able yeah. community. And I'm sorry, I, I had to stop myself there enough because we, we, we had a big chunk about uh, the language of disability as well. Uh, what you can and can't say anymore. Um, uh, and being a slight bit older, sometimes I get a little bit tripped up. Um, but it's good that you, you mentioned that, Dara, because especially when we come to talk to employers, that's one of the major things that keeps coming up. People are terrified of saying <laughs> the wrong thing. Honest to God, it's the, it's the number one thing that we get. What's the language used? What if I say this or that? What if I offend people? Whereas we always say, if it's coming from the right place, and if you're, you know, just treating the person as an individual, um, you're probably not going to offend. Um, but, mm. but yeah, I, I saw some of the stuff, some of the posts that you put up and some of the words did have a great sort of shock value. Well, it wasn't so much for the shock value, I suppose. It, it's um, like Handicap was, I think, the first one we put up. Um, and mm -hmm. in America, it's still, it's still a word that they use. Um, but kind of over here, you're just going, oh, God, you know, you can't be doing that now. You can't be, you can't be saying that about something or some yeah. some, somebody. You know, it's not. It's it's the way I think th things have changed, but not necessarily all the words were were ever bad. Or I think maybe it's just maybe it's just the way that sort of we're 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 changing. And I, 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 th I think for me, it's it's one of those things where, like, if you talk to somebody about these things and and communicate with them and they say oh i'm i'm not comfortable with that it's their uh, i suppose prerogative to explain to you why that word or that phrase or whatever it might be isn't something that 
they're comfortable with so that you can learn from that and and take it forward i think it's it's kind of it comes from like there's this fear around having conversations as you say and it's so frustrating because it's as simple as a conversation yeah absolutely agree with you and and the thing that keeps coming up is um disability is not a dirty word and i just love that phrase because it's it, it's so commonsensical i mean it's not and most people now i'm not talking for everyone but like most people if you do have a genuine question or you know they, they'd be fine if they thought it was coming you know from um i keep saying that word but from an authentic place if they wanted to find out more you know and if you were treating the person as an individual but you wouldn't offend you know what i mean but disability yeah, is not yeah. a dirty word and we need to stop being so afraid of having those conversations so not to make any, any link between um sort of history and uh, the dark ages but um sarah being over in the west um <laughs> I know it's easy kind of say here in Dublin, uh, kind of, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, we say an infrastructure here um, with transport and, 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 and it was just something we were talking to uh, Catherine Gallagher there a couple of weeks ago, um, who's a PhD student who had, a, who had a few issues with uh, getting her, her grant, but she lives out in Ackle. That's uh, where she grew up. And it kind of, it wasn't until we were, we were talking to her, it was kind of going, you know, like she said, she saw nobody uh, that she could relate to when she was growing up. Um, I mean, are there a different set of challenges over in the West? Uh, I know it kind of, it, it sounded like, you know, uh, I am saying that it's a dark ages, but from an infrastructure point of view, it's got to be very different where there's distance to be traveled. Well, I suppose I can only speak from my Western perspective. Um, I don't exactly have a full picture, not being able to fully compare to the Southern or the Eastern region. All I kind of know is what the participants I'm working with kind of their struggles. Um, so yeah, transport can be an issue. Like most young people, including myself, would learn to drive from an early age because if you want to get anywhere, you literally need that driver's license. And that can set up a whole other range of difficulties. If you have a disability, it's very expensive now in general to get your driving license. You know, you have to do, I think, is it 10 to 12 lessons, mandatory lessons. Um, so somebody from your family can't just be driving around with you and you go take your test anymore like it used to be in my day showing my age now you know you need to get an assessment done there's a whole range you need to get um, a doctor to sign off you know say you're capable before you're even like behind the driver's seat you know there is a whole other set of challenges but that's just one aspect one challenge but at the same time I have been in Dublin and I have at rush hour tried to get that Lewis and I've barely fit in myself, squashed against the door, that I can only imagine somebody with uh, who has a walking aid that's bigger, um, such as a wheelchair, be it manual or be it electric, or even with a walking frame. Like there's literally been no space to breathe almost. So that presents a different set of challenges, actually getting on that public transport that exists, but seems to be overfilled um, infrastructure-wise. And again, getting trains, you know, that one little ramp, which is the difference between you getting up on that train or not, a lot of the services aren't, um, aren't there's, there's actually no person on. A lot of the stuff has become at the electric ticket machines, but there's actually not people at the stations who can literally just put down that little ramp. That means either you get to where you want to go or not. 
Um, but yeah, if I was to go again with the with the Western perspective, another thing that when you talk about evening out the playing field, yes, um, COVID-19 has had some benefits, strangely enough, um, in relation to leavening out the playing field. I've been working with one girl who um, has got employment. She disclosed on her CV, but they seem to read past that amazing CV and had her interview. Her disability wasn't seen at the interview. And when she arrived up after getting the job, they didn't know she had a, a disability, but it wasn't an issue. She had the job and she was literally taken on face value. I don't know if it would have gone the same if it wasn't a virtual interview, I can't say, but she had been looking for a job for a while. So I saw that was an amazing example of literally face value. She was taking on her experience, her great CV, how she spoke, how she communicated, and nothing else was considered. Um, but then I have other people who I'm working with who are in areas within the West, but I'm sure they could be in the South and the East too, where there's an area of digital poverty where people do not have good internet connection. And even if you get a new modem, even if you get data on your mobile, they're within areas where there is too much people using the same internet where it's always going to be slow or they're within areas where it's literally not served by internet. I'm not very technological minded, um, but in general, it just literally is not served by good high speed capable internet. So that disables you in another way with a physical disability or not from accessing these remote jobs. And if the offices are closed, which a lot of them are right now, you literally have no place to go. The libraries are also closed. So you can't access it from your home. You also can't go to a public space or, you know, there's some shared workspaces, but a lot of them are closed right now. You can, there's some people being even more disabled because of this, you know, so there's, there's pros and cons, I suppose, with everything. And I suppose it, it does come back to the whole thing of like society disabling the disabled rather than them. Like that, for me, that's the perfect example of that. Yeah, but it's not, it can be at times not much better in Dublin um, when you're talking about uh, no ramps, especially on, on, on transport. Um, I mean, we have a fine dark service here in Dublin, you know, it goes from Malahide out to Bray and Hoth and all sorts of places. But again, unmanned stations, you got to ring ahead to make sure that there's a member of staff there to put the ramp out. Um, you know, myself and Dan kind of earlier on, earlier in this process went through uh, we said we'd take a day out and the dart uh, just to see if it worked and it didn't <laughs> and it was funny because they knew we were coming um, yep. you know we'd had we'd had an interview with the manager of the dart the, the district office kind of uh, the week before and said yeah listen we're going to give it a go next next weekend we rocked up no staff <laughs> it was just you know you, you couldn't you couldn't really have made it up um, but you know mm -hmm. so I suppose, yeah, there are challenges uh, everywhere. And, you know, while, yeah, Dublin isn't probably isn't much better than um, uh, anywhere else. And something else that we had been kind of looking at is sort of uh, the industry of disability. Oh, you know, how, how, how work has grown up around disability in general, whether it is the uh, Irish Wheelchair Association or uh, any other organisation. Um, and even uh, in our last podcast, we were talking about um, autism and we were looking at uh, ASU or um, ASD. ASD units in schools 
and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mick Clifford uh, of the Irish Examiner had, had written a fantastic um, article uh, highlighting how you know we say within the M50. I can't remember the exact numbers. Right, there was 123 secondary schools within the M50. 23 of them only had ASD units, and all of those schools were desh schools. No private school or anything like that had, um, you know. And then Dan was kind of had highlighted how much money was being spent every day. Mm-hmm. transporting kids from one end of Dublin to the other. Um, I mean, it's like a million quid a year. Um, but it, there is an industry in itself which has grown up around that, whether it's somebody who drives the bus or the retired guy who was doing uh, a bus companion um, for two hours in the morning. Um, you know, he kind of gets on the bus and, and, and to get to school and he goes home and has his cup of coffee and takes a dog for a walk and does his shopping or whatever and comes back out again um and it, we've seen we, we kind of reference the same thing with um homelessness uh how an industry has grown up around that and how much money has been spent on it would you find that the money that's being spent is useful uh or there are, are you making headway i I, w- I would say really with the ability program do you feel um i throw that one to Anne if i can absolutely like I mean, there's an awful lot of services and supports there for people with disabilities and separate sections like the Ability Programme for ones that are interested in entering the labour market. Um, I think there's been numerous announcements from the Dormant Fund account um, in the last six months, um, two or three different types of funding available specifically for helping people with disabilities into the labour market, as well as all the other bits and pieces that you mentioned there. I think neurodiversity is a really hot topic at the moment because of the Late Late Show last week and obviously Adam Harris being related to Simon Harris and all of that. So that's quite a hot topic at the moment. And, you know, and rightly so, you know, um, they really shouldn't have to shout as hard as they do. But however, um, I mean, I think it's fantastic, you know, and it really, there's so many supports there for people who, who are with a disability who want to get into work, but those who you know, want to access a job, you know, there's grants in terms of, you know, um, all the access grants to the building if they, if they do get a job, interpreters, things like that, they're all there. Now, they do need a bit of tweaking, but they're there. And there's also grants for employers. So, you know, if you are motivated and you're a certain education level, you know, there really is an awful lot of support there in, in place um, to help you find a job and, and to retain that job. Um, have you found, uh, I wouldn't say, have you found it easy getting people a job? I mean, it, it's, I know, uh, I mean, you know, Sarah said there, you know, she's shown her age. I mean, I, I'm of a certain age as well, um, where I've been through unemployment. I've been through trying to find a job. I went back to education and, 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 and spent four years doing my degree. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're educated in a certain area um, to a certain level, your disability doesn't come into it at all um, because... You know, it's, it's definitely IT, um, it's huge. Um, and other niche areas like that. I, I've had clients who start, who have gotten jobs with degrees and masters during this pandemic, no problem at all. Um, disability is not even an issue. And they were highly motivated and obviously highly educated. Um, and I suppose really the struggle is for the lower end jobs, the likes of retail hotels, they've all closed down anyway but there's a lot of competition out there. So somebody with a disability 
is going to struggle. However, you know, if you move that up a notch and you have a master's in human rights or master's in accountancy, you're going to get a job if you want one. And that's the key question. You know, there's a lot of, you have to be motivated. So the motivate, motivation levels need to be looked at um, for people with disabilities. And that can be for numerous of factors and I'm not judging at all. You know, the, you can tell a motivated person straight away. And then there's, there's loads of financial implications. If they do go back to work, maybe like that money, if they're on disability allowance and possibly the mom is, is getting carers, I don't know the situation, but that's, that's a lot of money for one household, say, that they can't do without. So there's lots of reasons. There's lots of their own personal barriers that are, are stopping. But yeah, my own experience have been that anybody, you know, at a certain, and it has been in a certain, um, education level to be to be truthful and um, they've had no issue in getting a job but just on that and i'm just thinking about that like you're saying that like within a certain education bracket which is to be expected yeah people, people have had no issue but my my question then is why isn't that being spoken about why aren't we why aren't we hearing about the fact that these companies are hiring, you know, a, a diverse work, a diverse workforce. Because well, we are, might... we are hearing about it. We are absolutely hearing about it. It's just, you know, it, a lot of it is on LinkedIn, but there is an awful lot of inclusive companies. However, I do have an issue with the minimum education level, which is degree or masters. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so but but you apps like I mean I, I can list off at least five people on my caseload. Uh, um, that's just off the top of my head, who have no issue getting to the workforce. I know you're in the middle of a master's, Dan, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So you haven't even touched the toe in yet and trying to get the job yet. But like, I'm sure. But again, it would depend on your motivation. Like how motivated really are you? You know? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll sign you up and we'll find that out. <laughs> I know, but uh, I, I, I do think we are hearing the success stories. I absolutely do. There's huge employers all over LinkedIn, literally shouting from the rooftop, we're an inclusive employer. You know, I don't know what else to say to you on that. Like, where, where are you not hearing about? You're just... I, I, I suppose when I, I suppose being a, being a media student, I kind of look at it and kind of go from a media perspective, Okay. You know, when when you like hear about the business, you're not kind of hearing about like employers like hiring, hiring people with disabilities or or like having this like inclusive initiative, which is like it can only like, in my opinion, employers have nothing. They own they only have something to gain from em employing somebody with a disability or with um you know, just in general, you know, it being a more diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I suppose I'm just looking at it from a media perspective and saying that I'm okay. not kind of, I'm not really seeing much of it. Well, it's been recently being launched for Employers for Change, which is a website for inclusive employers. Um, and literally every employer that's on that is interested in diversity, inclusion, hiring people from different races, nationalities and ethnic backgrounds and disability. I mean, I think we need to have a conversation because I could list off a lot of employers that I know are fully inclusive. But again, what I said was my issue is the certain education level that they require. You know, 
I'm sorry that you're not hearing about those type of people, but I think, and I think the rest of the team will agree, there's absolutely lots of, there's not enough, and they seem to be based in, in the cities, but. I, I suppose like that's where the com- it comes back to the conversation element mm. of it, is like having conversations like this is so important because mm. like you're, you're, you're exposing it more. Um, yeah. and, and people are becoming more aware of it. And like, mm. you know, they might think of a company that they want to work for that they might not have originally thought of through a yeah. conversation like this, do you know? Yeah. Um, I think yeah, uh, like, there was something Cash uh, and Gallagher mentioned to us as well. It, you know, it, with for people with disability, is there, uh, are being overqualified um, by staying in education? Um, I mean, she's going off to do PhD. That is it. Yes. Yeah, she's going off to do her yeah. PhD. You know, she was kind of saying that you know uh, by the end of it, she's probably going to be overqualified for the jobs that she's going to be looking for. Okay. Uh, I hate that phrase. That's a pet hate of mine. That phrase. Um, you know, you were saying, Dara, that you've been through periods of unemployment. I have too. Um, and that's something that was thrown around at me a lot. And I, I don't have a disability. Um, it's you're either qualified for a position or you're not. Simple as, you know, it's a yes, no question mm-hmm. in my eyes. Um, so you, you either have the skills and ability to do the role that's been advertised or you don't. Um, and anything more than that is just gonna be a bonus as an employer um, in my eyes. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that's, that's, I think that's a moot point or maybe I'm just biased because it's affected me in, in the past myself. I don't know, what do you guys think? I think very much it's about building, you know, if somebody's doing a PhD or if somebody's doing a math, it is no harm to try and get some experience as well with that, just to build the experience on their CV so you have the balance between your qualifications and your experience. And yes. even even if that means, I'm not saying just to go out and just get unpaid, try and get paid if you can, but even if it's voluntary, just to build that experience on your CV and keep building it up as well as doing your qualifications and that gives you a better chance then. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because when you think four-year degree, another two years in a master's and another year or say a PhD, like that's six or seven years. So like say if you're leaving start at 18, like you're, you're, you're mid-20s starting to look for a job. So absolutely agree with Joanne there. That if you can try and find that balance of doing something in that area, or even admin work, which will always stand for whatever, just be working instead of just at school for like 10 years after you leave school. Yeah, and even if you don't have work experience um, or volunteer experience, people kind of find it difficult to think, do you know, you know, when you, when you say to them, well, what do you do at the weekends? Or are you involved in any um, sports clubs? Or have you ever done anything with the scouts? Or, you know, something like that. And they go, well, yeah, I did a cake sale or a fundraise for X, Y, and Z, or, there, there are many, many skills and abilities that people have that they don't recognise that they have because they don't see it as a big thing. But actually, they're very transferable when you bring them into employment. So it's just getting people to sit down and actually really think about what it is that they've done over the past couple of years, as well as their, their courses and their education. There's so many other things that they could bring into it um, that would be transferable into the workforce. Well, it's something I, I'm sure we'd hope to find out like if we can get Dan actually to sign up to the ability program um, absolutely you know absolutely. and it's something that we can we can follow from 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 a podcast from a podcast point of view um, really? you know and uh, not the, call it Dan's journey oh that'd be <laughs> uh, you know we're gonna have a spin-off series um, but no I think 
Uh, you know, it's just the ability program. I think it is fantastic. Um, there is yep. that, that level of help. And I mean, we've spoken to Anne before. We've we probably nearly talked the head off Anne, actually, uh, to be honest, when it comes to a podcast point of view. But it's always been brilliant. It's always been useful um, from, from uh, again, when Dan is talking about having that conversation and understanding what's out there and, and the possibilities. Um, is there anything anybody would like to add before we do kind of run off into the sunset? Um, I suppose just to get the plug in, um, if you're interested or if you know a, a friend or family member that might um, be looking for support, if they have a physical disability, if they want um, help with getting closer to work, you go onto our website, um, ability.iwa.ie, um, or you can phone me, the project manager, and I'll put you in touch with the job coaches in, in your area and all of our contact details are available on the website and again guys thanks a million for having us on today thank you very much it's been brilliant thank you very very much thanks guys very much yeah. guys appreciate it thanks Liam. and dan feel free to give me a shout when you're finished your masters absolutely will do 100%. i can signpost you to all the inclusive employers that i know Excellent. Looking forward After to it. After you sign up, obviously. I'm <laughs> only <laughs> <laughs> <are you> joking. <laughs> ah, dear Lord. Oh, God. Yeah, so just to, just to finish, I have been Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Airy, and we'll talk to you very soon. <laughs>